side. Stick out the mandolin and the voice. The whole thing, really. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. What's up, Jordan? How's it going? It's going great, man. Just discovered that uh, I'm a superhero before we hopped on this recording. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, people <laughs> need to hear that what's your What's your superpower, Jordan? Uh, well, among many things, apparently I can make anything that's dope not dope anymore just by just by repeating it in my own voice. Zach was uh, as we were getting set up. Zach was singing some Drake, and then I started singing some Drake, and he's like, "How do you make everything cool just whack?" <laughs> and I started to think, and I was like, "Well, yeah, Ryan Gosling is now hated because of my interests." Gambit was probably the coolest person. Now everybody thinks he's fucking uh, <laughs> annoying, and it has nothing to do with him. It's just my campaign for him. So I guess I have a abilities that I'm just now discovering, and I haven't really <clears throat> learned oh how to wield God. them in a, a positive light. But that's oh, I found crying, my calling, dude. you guys. I God. found my calling. Okay, so how so how are you going to wield this power like positively? I, to your I don't know. I probably shouldn't host a podcast because that makes <laughs> everything I say fucking whack. So I'm sorry, you guys. Oh, fuck. Oh, this is not the field I should be exploring, I guess. But here we are. Um, <sighs> wow. I'm like so crying. I, if, if you guys want, have any ideas for my superhero name, I got to discover one. Uh, send them to Hop Heroes Pod on Twitter. and <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see which one makes the most sense. And then we got our third host, Zach Barlow. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. This this was a uh, one of the best cold intros I've ever. I'm, I'm I'm I've laughed so hard I'm crying. I'm literally crying right now. But I'm I'm great, man. It's it's good, been man. a rough ride at at professionally because I'm busier than I've ever been in my life. But hey, we out here. We out here. Yeah, we, we were out uh, here. We were doing weeknight recordings. Previously, we did Sunday morning recordings. NFL season kind of put a stop to that. And then we went to weeknights, and that was working for a while. But with all this going on and, and Z's uh, peak season, we're, we're, we're going back to mornings again. So that's why we started with Top of the Morning. Uh, bright <laughs> morning and early. Drinking. Sunday morning <laughs> drinking, baby. Speaking of drinking, what's the best way to start your day? How about a hard coffee from PBR? Mmm, bitch. It's just delicious, <laughs> and it'll get you drunk. And that's what we are drinking today. At least I'm drinking today. I'm very excited about it. Um, what's the ABB? Oh, uh, we'll get into that in the, in the beverage all breakdown. Right, right. I'm just kidding. It's 5%. Uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, the topic of, of today's episode, um, from the windows to the wall, we're getting low. And we are going low volume two. We've done low volume one. We had to do two because we're just big remender heads and just love this story arc. So we're hopping in to volume two. But before we get there, let's go to our beverage breakdown. So, with the PBR hard coffee, um, something that was very intriguing to me when I first heard about it. So, it was released last summer um, in five states as a test run, and it was kind of around the same time that Seltzer was making a huge push. So, while the kind of alcohol community was zigging with the Seltzer, uh, PBR zagged and went hard coffee. And to, to my knowledge, this is the first of its kind. There's, there's espresso stouts and, and uh, milk stouts out there, but this is more of a hard coffee malt. Um, and I've had it before, so this is my first time trying it, but I will, I will give it a little sip. Oh, God damn. For those of you that haven't had it, it's fucking amazing. All it is really, it's, uh, milk, vanilla flavoring, and a little espresso and, uh, some, some malt liquor. So whether or not it's considered a beer, I wouldn't call it that, more of a malt liquor, but it tastes like straight Yoohoo, if you've had Yoohoo. <laughs> What? Yeah, there's no carbonation. It's like a flat, creamy, chocolatey, velvety, smooth beverage that gets you drunk. Um, and they only sell it. I mean, apparently they sell it in 12 packs because JR was looking for it. You could only find 12 packs. But I, I've only found it in four packs up here. And that's like a perfect amount because it's so sweet that any more of these would be just 
destroying your stomach and you'd be spray painting the porcelain the next morning. But if you just take it a couple at a time, maybe at the beginning of a tailgate, I would assume, or maybe when you're recording a podcast on a Sunday morning when you're hungover, that's a good way to do it. Um, <laughs> it's got a, it's got a lot of uh, a lot of options. Um, and PBR, we've done PBR before on the on the show, but we only did the the Tall Boys, so we just talked briefly about the Tall Boy history. But PBR's history is pretty interesting. Um, it was established in Milwaukee in 1890 by Frederick Pabst. Uh, Frederick immigrated to the States with his parents in 1848 from the Kingdom of Prussia, <clears throat> which apparently was a uh, subsidy of uh, Germany. No longer is, but it was back then. Um, in the States, he became a pilot where he met Philip Best, owner of the Best Brewing Company in Milwaukee, and married his daughter, Maria, and eventually became president of Best Brewing Company. Um, after the Great Chicago Fire, a lot of the uh, Chicago breweries were destroyed. So Milwaukee was kind of put on the map as one of the brewing um, juggernauts at that point because all Chicago's competition was just eliminated. Um, and after that, shortly, the, uh, the president of Best Brewing Company passed away. So uh, Frederick was anointed president um, in 1890. And he uh, changed the name from Best Brewing Company to, pa- to Paps Brewing Company um, after his name, which is kind of fucked if you think about it. I mean, he married into this family, this <laughs> successful brewery, and as soon as the fucking president dies, yep, changing the name to my name. <laughs> It's my, it's my company now. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's this family, now. it's my family. Yeah, this company, yeah, it's my company. <laughs> that, that grandson? My grandson. Uh, and uh, they, they then change it to Pabst Blue Ribbon, and this is where it gets interesting, because they say they change it to Pabst Blue Ribbon from Pabst Best Brewing um, because they earned America's Best Beer in 1893, but there are still several people out there that are debating that that award was ever even in existence back then. So if if they didn't actually win this award and just claim to be America's best beer and change their whole name because of it, fucking genius. Or just yeah, really man. stupid and it worked. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the history of Pabst. And we started from back in the uh, 1800s with cheap canned beer. And now we're at the uh, the pinnacle, the hard coffee. That's that's the that's the path of PBR, y'all. Do you like the, the hard coffee better than the flagship Pabst? PBR beer. Oh man, um, it's kind of hard. I mean, it's like apples and oranges. If you had to have one, just one of them, I'd go coffee. But if I'm drinking for the night, I'm going the beer. I can't drink more than two of these. I get a little tummy ache. You know me, Z. I, I got a sense of tummy. That is our beverage breakdown for this episode. And without further ado, let's go into story time with JR. Let's talk low. All right. Uh, so this is issues. Um, so what when we say volumes, we mean collected trade, trade paperback. So it wasn't originally like a, like a graphic novel. Um, it's actually issue, collecting issues uh, 7 through 10 on this volume. Um, and I think... Um, which is a short, a short read, right? It's only four issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we know who the the writers are: Rick Remender and, and Greg Ticini. Um And it, it follows uh, not a lot of characters, but some some of the main characters. You get to see Della, Della, Stell. Uh, I'm sorry, Della and and uh, um, more in this, and kind of where she went. Um, yeah, she was like so non-existent just, in Volume One, right? Like she wasn't really. Yeah, they, like at she all. She kind of just think, like was the the victim like the the narrative kind of driver as the person that was taken but then after she was taken it was like all right we have no idea like where she is right so this kind of follows that and where she ended up and um i'll just kind of start going through it uh let's see uh Della, who is a minister of thought arrives at her girlfriend's apartment discovers her painting the white pavilion zed jupiter Art is inspires hope, and hope for a better future is a crime in the underwater dome called. Hope I hopefully I say this right. Volden. Um, they argue about life without art and stories, and the risks that is involved trying to live this way. Della knows of the consequences because of what she does for a living, um, and I think a good stopping point here would be kind of what does she do for a living? You know. Right. I think that so. As a minister of thought, they're living in this in this society in which, and as a reminder, if you followed our our, if you listened to every single episode, which I'm, I'm sure you do, and you 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 heard our first low episode, 
um, Stell is the mom and Stell is the kind of protagonist and the main character and her main power is having hope in this world. And so Della is the daughter that was taken from Stell and now we see her as an adult and she lives in this society in which hope is being stifled at all costs. And as a minister of thought, her job is to essentially kind of police that police hope like if anybody has hope it's her job to either kill that person or arrest that person and make sure that they they are squished to death to death like a bug yeah yeah have you guys ever seen equilibrium uh with christian bale yes yeah. and where he like like his stylized shooting yeah fucking love that love me some equilibrium and then he fucking sword fights tay Diggs at the end like one of the coolest scenes uh <laughs> <laughs> I got Take hardcore it. equilibrium vibes from the first volume because, or the first uh, issue in the volume, because it was like they're destroying art, they're destroying paintings, they're destroying anything mm-hmm. that can kind of relate to to hope or, or emotion, and that's like exactly the same premise. So I, I, I really thought that was a good comparison. <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's kind of an intense um, opening scene as well because you kind of you you get thrown into who Della right away like you, there's like no lead up i mean at, like you said at the end of volume 1 she you don't really get to see where she goes and what happens to her and all of a sudden you're just involved in her life you're in her girlfriend's apartment you know she's naked you know she's mm-hmm. painting and she walks in and she's like they automatically get into like this love this hate thing. huge they have a huge fight over it like they get yeah. into a huge fight where she throws it away and she's like, what are you doing? Like, this is you do you understand like the danger that you're putting us both in? And all she's doing is just painting. And she's just like, and her girlfriend's like, uh, I'm just, you know, I just, I just want to paint. And Del's yeah. like, you know, they're going to kill us all for this. And so it's, it seems like a, it's interesting. Cause it feels like a, such a small thing. Like, I mean, Jerry, you paint all the time, right? Could you yeah. imagine like Amber coming home and wiling out <laughs> on you for, for painting on a canvas because it could kill all everybody. Like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. It is. It is. It is intense, yeah. but it's not like she's just painting. Like, I mean, she is painting, but she knows the consequences of painting in this environment and she's still choosing to do it. That's like being like in the States during fucking world war two. And like your significant others at home stitching like swastikas, like, oh, I'm just stitching. And it's like fucking, well, yeah, but <laughs> you're stitching swastikas. Like, it's like yeah. a huge fucking thing. And I right. get it. I mean, she's a passionate, artistic being. And that's honestly, I think she lures her. That's what Dell's attracted to her because of that side of her. Um, yeah. Oh, that's, but she that's can't a good explore point. it. She can't explore it. And it's like a constant inner battle. Like a, like a silent rebellion, maybe. Yeah. Because she knows where she actually comes from. Yeah. And that's like, oh, oh deep inside. Wow. Yeah, it's like yeah. She, she, even though she's so far away, she's so, so far removed from her her mother and her family and, and like that belief system that she was kind of born into, she still has like one tendril linked to it. And it's by choosing to be with this woman that's full of hope, that's that's still an artist in this in this society. For sure. And then yeah. what what happens to her though? Doesn't she murder? Well, that's <laughs> That's uh yeah that's definitely an issue. <laughs> <that> she, <laughs> um well there's there's a lot in between there. I think with the one thing about this book is it goes from uh and it could be difficult for people is it goes from Della's story to to Stell's story. Yeah. And as as Della deals with who she is in her her public life which is, you know, a mercenary basically to distinguish hope. And she goes from raid to raid to raid. And I think it, it starts to lead her down a path that where she's going to be discovered. Um, and so I think one thing I said is it jumps around it. And then the kind of the next segment before we get to kind of that part is Stell and where she's going. And to tie the story together, I think it's really important to kind of see um, Della's path and Stell's path as it's going down. And one thing about Stell that we've all known about is her 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 kind of her religion of hope and it's starting mm-hmm. to fade in this portion of the book um it, it's and i'm it's like her losing hope and she's starting to question her quantumology and her fight against pessimism and she's going just just from her her losing her son 
Merrick and the battles that she has and escaping in this tiny little sub with Zem and the, uh, I guess you can call her Mermaid, Mertelli, and they're heading to the surface. And so I think kind of trying to understand what she's going through in this portion of the book will kind of help you understand, I think, what Della is trying to go through as well. Yeah, I mean, because... this is... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, because at this point, so Stell has had this this hope, this religion that's pushed her forward in the face of what seems insurmountable odds consistently. But every time she loses something, like she's been through so much. She lost her son. She lost her husband. She, I mean, essentially, from her perspective, lost both her daughters. I mean, we know they're alive as readers, but she doesn't really necessarily know that. I mean, she's just like still hoping to find them st- at, at some point. And so over time, it started to get just, she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, what God am I praying to, basically? You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like that, it's that, that question of, are you even up there? You know what I mean? Like, and that doubt starts to creep in. And as the, as her doubt starts to creep in, she starts to be much more, much more pessimistic. Um, Yeah. That's all I'll say about it now. I have more, but um, I'll leave it there. Yeah, and I think it's, that we all felt what Stella was feeling because we lost Merrick in, in the volume in the first volume one, and and that was that was hard on all of us. I think we all really Merrick was got, a badass, close bro. to Merrick. And yeah, if, uh, it was. I found myself doubting hope when Merrick passed because I was like, oh, what, yeah. what is this? What is even happening is in this world? Yeah. Nothing sacred. Nothing you know? is sacred uh, anymore, bro. Merrick. <laughs> I, I did miss I, Merrick though, dude. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, he was such a savage. He's 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 sorely missed in this volume, I would say, and. I think it's so interesting you brought up quantumology and it's like I had to look up what quantumology is and if that was a real thing because this is what she kind of uses as her religion, like her reference mm-hmm. to her religion. And quantumology, what I understand when I looked it up is kind of like uh, the understanding that all beings are connected energetically. And the way she uses that is that we're all connected energetically and we can also manifest positive results through positivity. And so she kind of uses that as a religion. So it's like, what God do you pray to? It's a great question because it's kind of like I mean we're all on a plane together connected, but who's who's in charge? You know who do you look to, or do you look to mm-hmm. yourself? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a very like um, and when you can you just imagine what she's going through? I mean you're you're literally in a a a sub with minimal air heading to a place that no one's been to in thousands of years. I mean the possibility of scorching yourself and she's doing this to save what she thought is was her you know future of civilization and what she thought that she could produce um you know kind of this like hope right and in the upcoming you know generations to come because at this point she has no idea if her actually her her kid uh you know her della's alive she just lost one tojo seems to be a little you know wacky towards the end and She's they're going and trying to just get through this journey. And it, I can see why you would lose hope for the strongest person who has it. Because, I mean, I don't even like being confined in like a small space. Could you like submarine? I mean, that's just we're all experiencing going. that now. <laughs> I know it's absolutely insane. And so I think that's that's a, a really good thing to, to kind of see what she's going through and why she has these doubts that she had no cracks in it before. And you're starting to see it now, little bit by little bit. But I also think, like, as a reader, it, it's cool to see the protagonist have flaws. And I think that mm-hmm. um, the protagonist was—I was always transfixed with the story. This is one of my favorite ongoing stories out right now. But I think that in the first volume, um, she really was kind of unbreak, like unshakable, almost. Like her her ability mm-hmm. to kind of have hope and power through and see the positive side of things and move forward was consistent and very constant. And this is like the look that we get as a reader that shows, Oh, well, you know, I can relate now to this person. You know what I'm saying? Like she's human. She's actually human. She's still, I mean, she's, she's, she still has, like, she's still done amazing things, but that doubt, that, that creep kind of that, that, that weakness, those flaws it kind of brings me in closer as a reader because I'm thinking, oh, I I relate now. I can relate more to this character than before because before she was super superwoman and now she's kind of getting brought back down to earth, which I think is like important 
for us as the story continues on because we're going to be able to feel closer to the protagonist whatever happens next 100 percent. it gives you almost it gives me like a pan vibe like peter pan uh when he's struggling to use his powers because he doesn't he's losing he lost his faith he doesn't believe and then when he starts to believe again he can start to fly again and it's kind of like like she did have a superpower like she was beyond getting fucked in volume one like she got so much shit on her plate in the first five pages of the volume she did her husband gets murked guy steals his eye fucking family gets taken like mm-hmm. everything is just in the shit I mean, she's still hopeful like that's a superpower and it, and it did manifest positive results and it's really hard to stay there mentally so mm-hmm. she she's not superhuman but she almost is to a stance yeah right yeah, she, she does it's a good almost job. like you yep. introduce the character and you introduce them as like this kind of um impeccable being and then once you kind of establish that this person is in- amazing you bring them down to, to earth and you're like oh my god that amazing person like i relate to that just so you can bring them back up like hey yeah you're kind of like this person but they're still amazing you know what i mean like i think it's like a mm-hmm. i'm just thinking about it from a writer perspective and i feel like that's like an interesting because you you mentioned peter pan so and that that's true that happens in peter pan and i'm, I'm watching this documentary about michael jordan and Last that's dance, how the dance, yeah. Yeah, 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 so yeah, fucking yeah. good. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it in the beneath the ink, but, the, but I'll just say that's also how the arc has gone. Like they're like, hey, the first couple episodes, like, look how crazy Michael Jordan is. Like this dude is nuts, right? And then like once you get to like six, seven, you, you start to see like that they're, they're kind of showing flaws, and you're like, wait, I, I can relate to that guy. That's wild. Just so they can say, oh yeah, but he three-peated twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a. He's also like the a, goat. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's a tried and true arc. Anyway, I'm kind of on yeah. a tangent. We can move on. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. What? No, it's it's fine. I I think uh, a great way to show that her her like and also like clinging to that is when she starts to find those those the, you know they get to the city where they they need to continue their journey. They need air. They need you know gas, and they need all these things and. They end up in the city and she is very deceptible to these mermaids you know she like she wants that help and that hope it's still kind of lingering and that's kind of where that that part ends and this little evil smile kind of pops up from the mermaid feeding her child you know they mm-hmm. just want food yeah so i think that's kind of like i think rick remender is like hey just she is still weak let's show her let's let's show him how yeah um, which also sets up for a, a bigger climax too so i think that was um, a good point for him. Um, and, and the story moves on. It's kind of like a, a, a glimpse into the past here. We kind of get to actually see uh, Della and Tojo and how they got separated. Um, and that moment, which is I thought was a great moment. It's almost, I mean, it's almost at the end of the book. You, you, you get to kind of see um, into that, that mindset of what happened to them as children. And mm-hmm. I mean, Della was sold for fuel and air and air right to mm-hmm. to so roan can get to his his destination and using the fact that uh the czar volian or whatever um the leader of the the Volden dome loves to stamp his pessimism <laughs> attitude on you know solsarians it's almost like this comp- it's like that's his weapon like i i love being hateful and i love being negative and their their weapons so Sicilian's weapons are i love they have hope they have <laughs> guidance and it's like oh let's just i get to finally put that stamp on him and he he really says like a creepy line in the book the czar at this point he to Della, you know and roan he goes take her to my bedroom i'll i'll uh basically make sure she gets that hope he, what, is, what is the word he says he, he uses he says something like all oh i'll rehabilitate her myself yeah, that's it's like such a creepy like it yeah. totally creeped me out a little bit and it's like yeah, you're not a good like le- like that point shows you where <clears throat> where she's going into the 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 nastiness of the that civilization compared to the what her civilization um and her society. So it was um kind of a great great uh little glimpse into that that past, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one way to make a villain. <laughs> it's, it's it's one way to make a hate like you you know it, it in just a couple panels you fucking hate this guy bad like it's oh, bad yeah. big, big big hate big hate and i think that you know as as the villain that's you kind of need that Amen. yeah it's just just not a 
was it was just such a weird it was like bargaining with people's lives was not you know but i you know I, i've i've done i've read rick remender stuff so much now i mean he's gotten into these points where people don't really like to get into or say in a comic book you know i think that's why it's so important to read these independent stories or these you know image books image a little bigger now but because you get to to see there's no fluff in it i think we a lot of times we tend to dislike books that are um or stories or tv shows that are trying to adapt their story to get a wider audience you know it's like <coughs> lock and key right. <coughs> uh yeah lock and key <laughs> maybe captain marvel you doing like that jay <laughs> I, see my uh, thing is not is is i'm not even mad at like i i just want to say i'm not mad at you like if you're if you're trying to get a larger audience and you're trying to yeah you know like get viewership and 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 make your money like make your paper boo boo like that's fine do what you got to do <laughs> but the thing that upsets me is that when i can so clearly see your agenda like i know you have an agenda we all do we're we're humans yep. right we're trying to accomplish something but do better at like hiding it let me like get lost in the story and the magic Instead of seeing your like fucking marketing campaign, like I I don't need I don't I don't want it. I'm not I'm not here for that. So that's that's all I say. Preach. Yeah. Yep. And I I think it's it's such a like you're absolutely right. I I think anybody has a, an opportunity to to sell their art. You know, sell it. I mean, I don't. I'm not yeah, trying to say that. Absolutely. Don't sell it. Of course. Um. I I think I think one of our biggest issues is once it gets to like a, a corporate level and the producers get involved and they're like. Okay, so let's see how we can make this benefit us more, you know. And I think sometimes that just it just Coca Cola. This is my favorite drink. It's like mid scene, like it's like come on. I want Coca Cola now. Yeah, the place, the product placement. Yeah, they do that in Thirty Rock. They're like they're making fun of themselves though, because they're all sitting around the writers' table and they're all drinking Snapple. It's like, wow, does that have a fact on your lid too? Yeah, this is my favorite Kiwi strawberry. And then Tina Fey turns to the camera and goes, "Thank you, Snapple. Give us money, please." <laughs> and then it cuts. Like, that's how obvious it is sometimes. But like sometimes you gotta laugh about it because it's like overtly obvious and it's yeah, it's yeah, it's painful. Yeah, um, and it's not like we're snooty about it. You know, we're not like uh, just because they do it, we hate it. I mean, we love parts of Lock and Key. You know, we love parts of like for me, Captain Marvel. Some there were some good parts in there, but it's not like it's just. And I think in a comic book in a literature form, it's you have so much more room to be expressive. You know, keep it that way. And I, I admit, even in Spider-Man comics, I mean, you, you tend to get easy, the, easy the. Yeah, easy. <laughs> you tend to get the stories that are like, eh, tread lightly on Spidey. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, and it, and it kind of it kind of leads. I, I think it for me this is why I love recommend. It kind of leads us into like the next step of the story where Della gets caught, basically, and she this realizes is, this is my favorite part of the book, dude. Is this when she goes titties out and fights the whole fucking gang? That's what gang? I say. Like, Bro, can you imagine? Oh my god, she goes shirtless into a Dude. battle does she like a backflip with machine guns and shit with her tits wait, wait. display when 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 she goes shirtless to me like as i was going through these panels i was thinking i think that this is like the most powerful like woman figure i've ever seen and and it was powerful in the sense of like if you think about it like okay like i get it like society has these like shirts and bras and you got to like do certain things you can't just have your boobs out like we can't have our dick out like whatever but when she just like <laughs> Wait, takes what? her shirt off dude, since when and and like she's just like fighting i feel like it's if you're in a fight why why would you have that extra shit on you know what i mean like fuck that take that off be be more nimble and ninja i don't know bro like i think it was like a cool ass like this this chick right here is powerful yeah, I mean, as fuck dude she's like her boobs are definitely she's ruthless fuck dude she's yeah. fucking she's taking names bro she's doming <laughs> these guys bro like she doesn't she's give a takes shit. all the grenades off the guy's fucking belt and does a backflip away I know. Yeah. boom bro. my god like, dude and it was a trap so like we should we should say that she was lured so essentially um what happened is that they the the order that she worked for found out that she was the traitor essentially they knew there was a traitor and they found out it was her, and, she, and the way that she was just, the traitor is that she we, was, like, with that painter, who actually ended up being, like, a big part of the Resistance. She was, like, a pretty, pretty big painter for the Resistance. 
Um, one one and, thing on that Z just just like didn't didn't Della murk her like in the first? That's what I was talking yes. about in the first part. She yes. killed her. Yeah, snipping yeah she, her. she kills her, and then they they find out about the like. I, and the, the thing is, there's like so much treachery in here. Like, so the the ministry finds out that she did it, but the ministry also is like in coup with the painter and the resistance. And so there's so much backstabbing going on. You actually kind of get lost. You have to kind of go back and reread it a little bit. Cause you're like, wait a minute, this guy's. It's like house of cards shit. There's so many yeah, different layers just... of political fucking deception that. Yeah. But I just, I didn't want to hijack your points. Like I was just, I remember that she fucking had to kill her significant other for her cause. But even though she, her heart really wasn't in the cause, like it was a dark moment, but yeah, well, I, think, yeah. I, I, I also think she, she killed her ultimately because I think she was afraid of like what was going to happen to her. Like, I think it was like a like a act of I mean, I don't want to say like an act of kindness because that's <laughs> an overstepping of, of what I'm trying to, to say. But Mercy, ultimately, maybe. I think she was like, yeah, yeah. She was like, you don't know what they're going to do to you. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what they're going to do to us. And this is better. Basically, this is the better way. And so and then point. she just like murked her off right th- right then and there. But ultimately what happens is that um, she gets found as a traitor. The guy, you know, without like kind of over, like sidestepping the story too much, the guy who actually was, as JR said, in, in a coup with the, the artist and the resistance. She was like a big painter and they lured her into this, I think like a building, like a warehouse with like an army basically there waiting for her. And um, as soon as she realizes it's a trap, they start shooting and she just goes into straight like fucking ninja mode bro shirt off boobs out fucking nude ninja don't doming these guys and just going Mm -hmm. ham and it was probably one of the cooler scenes of the of the volume yeah artistic like wise too i mean the way he like right off the bat her her robot polar bear just explodes and she Mm -hmm. just jumps off that takes her coat off at the same time because it's caught on fire ends up on that iron man pose and just <laughs> she's just like, all right, let's go, let's see what you got. And yeah, I think artistically wise, uh, Greg Tuccini did a great job there because, I mean, you're like involved in an action movie at that point. You know, you yeah. go from this kind of noir psychological story to like, boom, you're in the middle of it now. And I yeah. think mm-hmm. that's uh, such a good like thing. a Michael Bay style. <laughs> yeah, like that's one thing that uh, Lowe's done so well is jump from noir story like, like deep thought to just hardcore action and doing it so well and seamlessly mm-hmm. like like the Merrick fighting in the in the battle arena in volume one that was so fucking cool like that was and epic. the fishbowl yeah and the big fishbowl with all the behemoths and everything in there and then these scenes yeah. and then we go into the the vampire scenes later like there were some really cool fucking action sequences that add so much more variety to the storyline like so fucking well done yeah that's what happens when you got like a really good, a great writer with a really great artist. You know, it's like it doesn't feel like he's trying a lot of times. It's just it it just comes so naturally when obviously he's practiced, you know, thousands of years or whatever days, whatever and uh, hours, and uh, it just when you're able to kind of put that together, you kind of you can come up with these scenes. You know, it's like the focal like he figured out where to put the focal point in each panel, and you're just going boom, boom, boom to each panel on the focal point, and just draws you in just draws you in and 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 you know it's a good good stuff yeah yeah so we go from the trap and then what happens joe well tojo all of a sudden appears basically as robocop and the uh south the terminator fucking gundam wing yep and comes in and just saves the day just fucks that whole entire group up comes in and says you hurt my sister i'm basically gonna hurt you now (laughs) with her power suit that only her family can can wield which is i think that's a great thing only being able to like that's our you know that's our suit that's our savior is our suit that's our legacy and i think um that was a great kind of um stopping point for delia because you don't see della della or tojo after that this you know that's kind of it moves on to stell which is the main character and kind of what she's going to going mm-hmm. through and actually the effect of of losing hope and then walking into a almost a trap herself with mm-hmm. these since i i'm i'm calling them vampire mermaids because that's what jordan called them a couple days ago uh <laughs> vampire mermaids 
Um, I mean, that's and basically she's a what they are. It's a solid. Yeah. They have hypnosis. Pretty. Like they have, they're manipulative. They feed on right. you. I mean, it's fucking, it's a cool concept. Yep. And um, she gets attacked and swarmed and hypnotized. And while she's doing this, they literally take you to a place of comfort, a place of where you, you know, remember good times. And so you could, they like lull you to sleep. It's like being, you know, uh, bit by something that just makes you go completely numb. You're awake, but you're numb. And uh, they basically start sucking on her blood and attacking her. I mean, in swarms. I mean, you think of like a beehive of mermaids coming at her. Yeah, um, this part was super interesting to me. And I listened to a Rick Remender interview about this part, actually. And he talked about it because she's, I think they're looking for um, for fuel or they're looking for something to keep get the ship to fuel. work. Yeah. yeah. And, and she, dives, she dives into this darkness and there's this mother with a child. And there's this mermaid looking girl. And she's like, my, my child needs to feed or else she's going to die. Like, would you please help me? And so it's like this hypnosis where she convinces Stella to give her arm to this child to, to feed her her blood so she can survive. And Remender brought this part up because he loved it so much. He, he talked about human motivation and how it's so interesting to think because there, there's got to be a balance. You can't do everything for everyone else or else you're going you're not going to survive but you can't believe, you also can't be ultimately selfish and do everything for yourself only because then you'll never you know grow and progress and so there's a balance of helping others but also you know you got to be a little bit selfish at times and and this is the first time I've ever seen Stell be selfish and it's not even being selfish it's just survival but she's like so giving that she just gives her arm to this fucking vampire mermaid baby right. to feed. And and I even wrote down this part. She's just going to give her arm to this fucking creature in the depths of the ocean because she feels for like, it's just so yeah. giving. And then she like has a moment where she realizes, shit, I got to, I got to take care of myself a little bit or else this is all for nothing. If I give myself too much, I'm just going to, I'm going to expend my entire energy. And so like, I just thought it was such a cool concept to, you have to be giving, but you also have to be a little selfish in order to, progress yeah, yeah that's a good 100%. point because i think you run out of like you said you run out of energy when you're doing something for somebody else you have to find that with to to get to that top to have that motivation you've got to have that within like you it's got to be in you like when someone says find your dream job that's that's kind of what they mean right like because if you don't find your dream job you're just going to go to work and in like three years you're going to be like fuck this job i think like, the genius a job I think the genius of this book is is taking these super complex concepts that you just like outlined the human balance between being self selfish and selfless like that's mm-hmm. a fucking we could have a three hour conversation about that one thing <laughs> right. but like what what he does is he takes that concept and he he illustrates it so like viscerally in front of you like think about it from Stell's perspective she has she's a human being with blood she gives her blood up to something else that's going to take her blood from her body. And like you say, like you can only give away so much because you only have so much energy to give. And if you don't save some for yourself, then you're going to die. Well, these are, these are equal concepts at the, at this point. If you think about giving away so much, if you don't have enough for yourself, then you're not going to, you're going to, you're not going to succeed. And then you equate that to a human body with blood, giving the blood away. If you give away too much blood, then you're going to die. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's so one-to-one and, and and it's it's this crazy ability to take these super complex ideas and just boil them down to still giving an arm to a vampire, which yeah. which, yep. which makes sense. Like it makes sense when you pull back from it, and it's just like God, that's a that's fucking genius. Like that is yeah. genius. Yeah, he takes he just simplifies everything to an understanding where everybody gets it, and and sometimes people just yeah. I mean, I to be honest, when I first read that, I I, I thought of that, but I didn't really dwell on it too much. And then the way he talks about it, it's like, yeah, that makes fucking perfect sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it isn't an easy concept. I've been reading, re- I, I shouldn't do this, but I've been reading reviews on the book, you know, from other readers, like, and you go to goodreads, you know, .com and you get to read it. And none of them talk, like a lot of them pointed out, this was too obvious. This was not something, you know, and I think they missed that connection that you just pulled out, Zach. I think a lot of people just want this, like bland book to entertain them and not have no deep thought and i think that's probably why people make lock and key you know and i think this book is 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 kind of like not like that so i i feel like (laughs) it's just so weird to to read these reviews and like you didn't get the book at all you you know what did you read you know like i feel like like if i read reviews and i saw people like posting like this sucked this was too obvious 
I would like become like such a toxic keyboard warrior like in that <laughs> like I'd just be like what do you fucking think this is like I'd be babe get off. the Mountain Dew and Doritos it's gonna be a long night <laughs> yeah that's why I don't even I don't even read reviews man I can't, yeah. I can't I, uh, for my mental yeah. health I can't even I can't even do it that's a good idea it's like staying off Twitter like it's fucking just so you just get lost in those rabbit holes yeah um, Not the best idea, but definitely it was interesting to read them their reviews. One redemption moment in this scene before we uh, move on is I, I I think the what's his name Zelm Z E L M Zem Zem Zem. So Zem, uh, you find out was part of uh, Roland's Raiders, um, and he or he was imprisoned. Uh, he was a I think he was like a mercenary or something. He was a dark, was like a mercenary. Yeah, he was a fucked up person. Um, he lost his wife and his kid because of his decisions and met Merrick in custody. Bro, of wait a minute. This. We can't just gloss over how he lost his wife and kids though, because of his okay. decisions. I feel like we should talk about like how that happened. Right. Because like, okay. it, it, it paints for this character so deeply. So this dude was addicted to gambling and he essentially gambled away his family. Like he, he got in the hole and then he like made a bet and the bet was, you know, essentially their lives and he lost the bet and they, and they got killed and yeah. she got like raped. Like it was bad. Like it was super dark and it was all because of him. And you know, I just wanted to, yeah, he that's lost a, his family, but like, fi- like, come on, that's, that that's is a good point. I was just touching on it, but that's a great so point. Bad. Like the gravity <laughs> of this guy's evil, like darkness in his past is so incredible. And, and he meets Merrick in custody of this battle arena thing. And, and Merrick shows him quantumology and how hope can rede- redeem you. And, and he, he just wanted to essentially take Merrick's message and, and guide Stell to the surface because he wanted redemption for his family and his sins. And his, he wants to go out without being a complete shithead. And so when this is all going down with Stell getting swarmed by these vampires, Zem jump, dives into the mix and saves her, and, as well as uh, their their third party, the other the good mermaid, Mertali. girl. Mertali. Mertali. Yeah, and uh, and saves her, and Zem's like, "Get out of here! I'll cover this. Like, this is my moment. This is what I've been waiting for." Because Merrick always told him, "You'll have one moment or whatever to redeem yourself." This is my moment, and he's fighting all these things, and they're feeding him. And like Jared was saying earlier, uh, these things will take you mentally to a different place while they're feeding on you, so you don't realize it, and you'll have peace and zen in your head, but you're really just getting taken for your life and he's in this moment where he's going to see his family his wife and his kid and he's getting and he's like realizes what's happening and he takes himself back as no i don't deserve that i need to feel this and like takes himself mentally out of that coma state and starts fighting these things again and i thought that was so fucking cool that he's like no i don't deserve to go out like this i need to go out with pain i need to feel my mistakes and if that's not cool enough i for sure thought he was a goner like this is a dope moment to go and stella's like no your story's not over yet. Fucking saves his ass, brings him out of the depths. And he's like, no, let me go. He's like, no, you have more to do. Takes him out and saves him. It's like, Jesus, man. Like the roller coaster of emotions in that whole thing. It just gives me goosebumps just talking about it. It's so fucking How do you exciting. How do you feel about Zem? Let's do a quick like char- character spotlight. What are your guys' takeaway? I have a little bit of a bias because I, I, Zem has continued on in the story and i think yeah. he's he's playing a bigger part um, yeah i've i've, so I've read for it as well but but just now just now just volume yeah two. i have not I would, so um Perfect. i would say that zem is a very he's kind of one of these characters you he kind of comes out of nowhere because he's just you, you think he's a background character and you're like oh this guy and so that like jordan's saying that was a great moment for him to go uh and just because yeah. he's you and you know, feel like it's all set up for like all right this is his this is his yeah death, essentially right. like the scene kind of builds up to that like pinnacle moment and you're just like okay like I, like i'm that he's gonna die here there's no way he's yeah. gonna survive this i i feel like he had the perfect story for that too because he had he did so much bad in his life and he wanted to to you know do good and and, and redeem himself i i feel like just I'm trying to not think of the future just from the, the past and I feel like he has this he does have this like barbarian like esque to him you know what I mean like Conan the barbarian he's like I'm I will fight to the death for the cause and I feel like he he has potential to save the day or be a, a obviously a bigger picture in the future and and I if that's kind of like my my take on him it's just like he's got this like just 
Not a lot of talking. Big muscles. I wield a sword. Let's see who wins. Kind of mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. So you liked yeah. him. So you I liked did. Him. I liked him. I liked him. Yeah. I, I I compare him kind of to like uh, Amos from The Expanse. I think that he's a necessary character, and <laughs> it's such a fucking cool character. And I think that he makes the team and the story so much more interesting. Would I ever want to be friends with him? No. But would I want him leading into battle with my my warriors? Hundred percent. So I think that Bro, I, you, I, you would you'd you'd hit the bar with Amos. <laughs> you'd regret it afterwards, but I'd, I'm sure you'd go. Oh, I'd fucking slam a few with, with Amos. I just I don't know what we're, what's going to happen. I'm going to break my arm fighting somebody over a pool game or something, but it's going to yeah. be a fucking ride. And if I'm reading the ride from my couch, I'm much more excited than being in it. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that's that, that's interesting because when I first met uh, Zem, I thought he was like a fucking villain, like a terrible person. I mean, I think that that his story with his family like i just i had a hard time getting over it and i think it's worth noting that that uh stell did as well like i think that it's interesting as a from a perspective of positivity because um as a as as a a positive person uh what you want to do for the most part is you want to kind of have a, a belief system and i think this is like kind of true for most religions you want to have a belief system and, and, and you feel like it's working for you and you feel like it's like it's a good thing. And so you want to share it with other people and then you kind of want that you, you spread it that way. Well, here you have Stell, who is positive and she has this belief. And then you have Zem, who is essentially like a new convert. Like he is. He's like, yeah, for sure. This positivity thing. This thing's awesome. And she's like, fuck you, bro. No, like I don't <laughs> want your, I don't want my religion to to be associated with you because you're so terrible. And she even has a line. She says that, um, you know, your your faith taints my own. It, essentially, that he's so shitty. Like, he's been through so much terrible. He's made so many terrible decisions that the fact that he's saying, like, oh, yeah, I can be positive now and I can actually help help and I can have a better impact. She's saying that she's losing faith from that. And, and I think that that's interesting because, like, as you mentioned, Jordan, at the end, what happens is that Stell comes back for him. Mm-hmm. She comes back for him, which is essentially, at, like, he's dying. He's like, this is my moment. Like, this is everything I wanted. Like, here we go. I'm going to die here, like, as a warrior. And Stell decides, like, no, you have more to do, which is essentially, like, her saying, okay, I, I accept you. And I think like, it's I important. accept you for who you are. I think it's important to note that when she was when she met Zem, she was she was uh, on a declining state to, to doubt. I think that she this is past Merrick's past Merrick's death. She's losing hope, and then Zem comes on board. She realizes that he's trying to get on this religion thing, and she's losing faith in the religion. So she's like, "Well, if this guy's fucking into it, then maybe this whole thing is just a joke." And mm-hmm. when she comes out of that that swarm and is rescued and, and realizes like she still has the hope, there is still a fight, and then she realizes, okay. I think in my head at least maybe maybe everybody does get a chance and maybe that's what kind of inspired her to to save Zem like I think it was also where she was at in her own head to how mm-hmm. she reflected on Zem. I think I mean this is I I think that it I agree with everything that you said but I also think that positivity is infectious and I think that this is kind of um going into my my beneath the ink a little bit but w- what i'm saying let's is go that... there let's go there let's go beneath stell has this this unshakable hope and and i'm going back to volume one in this and she works very hard to instill that belief in her family. And in that kind of transaction, she had a son, Merrick, who was like, not really with it. Like, nah, miss me with that. And then he grew up in a terrible, terrible environment. And his superpower was the gift that his mother bestowed upon him. This unshakable hope. Stell's not there for this. Stell's not there while he's fighting in the, the pits and he's with zem and going through all of this but she kind of is because she she has instilled this in merrick so then from merrick merrick dies but from merrick he kind of instills it into zem 
right? And now Zem is in this boat, in this submarine with Stell, and Stell herself is losing faith. Stell is saying, oh, you know, this shit sucks, blah, 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 this is trash. And I think that there, it's, a, it's a very beautifully visually because as she, the whole storyline of her losing her faith is literally kind of juxtaposed with her diving deeper and deeper into the darkness, the unknown. Like, I just think that's such a beautiful way to illustrate it. Like, it's, it goes to the point of, you know, losing blood and that's, that's the difference between giving energy and not, you know. Um, but anyway, she's diving deeper, she's losing her faith, and then Zem's, like, will essentially zem's will to, to to have a hope to 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 live to fight when when stell doesn't is what like sparks her own again like she's like wait a minute and then she comes back for zem and says you have more to do let's go to the surface which she has hope again and and so i think that it's like it's crazy because she she saved merrick in a lot of ways i mean she's a savior of merrick in a lot of ways but then in this wild circle merrick kind of saves her Mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like he th- this hope gets passed from person to person and then comes back to her which saves her life and then saves zem's life again and so i think that that's that's the most interesting idea is that you know how powerful is is positivity really like in real life is this is this just a narrative is this just like a fiction or do you guys actually think that being positive can be can be passed along in that way that's your question yeah i i 100 percent think positivity is infectious and i think that it does manifest uh positive results and and i think that it's not necessarily like it's going to change your future um through supernatural occurrences but i do think that you notice more about the good things in your life than you do the negative um and like i don't know for example I, I thought this the other day, actually, uh, I was driving and I was spacing out and I was downtown in Anchorage and I completely ran a red light. Like I just fucking, I never, I've never really ran a red light. And I was like driving and then I see, I started look up and it's red. And I'm already halfway through the intersection. I was like, oh my God, like I was completely spaced out. And I was like, this, this is fucking terrible. Nothing happened. And thank God for that. But, um, like went on about my day and some other shit happened that day at work that it was just like, fuck, uh, this is tough. This sucks. And that's all I thought about is everything that happened at work and how shitty this was. But when I started to reflect on it, it's like, I didn't get arrested, pulled over a ticket, anything from running that red light, but I didn't even think about it because nothing bad happened. All I thought about was the bad stuff that happened at work that day. So if you think about the positives, like if I were to focus more so on how fortunate I was that nothing happened to me from a legal standpoint in that, that was much more impactful and beneficial to my life than whatever stupid stuff happened at work that bothered me. And I think that that's the mindset. Just that's just a little example, but it's like, if you focus on the positive, you're going to notice a lot of good things that are happening that are, that can outweigh the bad. It's just, it's really easy to focus on the negative and dwell on the negative than it is the positive. So I think that it's a mindset that creates a better life because you see so much more around you and you focus on so much more around you and it'll bring you up as opposed to dwelling on the, the shit that happens to everyone. Yeah, I think a, a, I think a, a good lesson I got from this was also the fact that she was I think it was right at the end she started talking about how hope and she wanted hope for everybody else and how she wanted positive for everybody else but not for and she never really thought about it for herself and I think that is a great point and and that's what kept her going too it's like I'm no longer doing it for my kids who I don't see anymore I'm doing it for me as a person and to con- and to continue this journey I need to find hope and pull it for myself and i thought that was a really powerful thing is not really being selfish but just time time to motivate myself in a different way and i think a lot of times people try to please other people with that as well you know trying to be extra positive and this is i'm Mm -hmm. doing this for this guy really you should do it for yourself mental health you know is a big deal and i i think this whole low thing is a mental health you know dictionary expose (laughs) bro yeah and Remender's very they, open about that. He he puts himself in, in these characters. Like Stell, he mentioned yeah. in the interview, that's his mom. His mom yeah. was an optimistic to a fault almost. Um, yeah. But he fucking looked up to her for that. Yeah. yeah. I think um, I, I've been watching say, The Last Dance. It's a Michael Jordan documentary. I just watched uh, episode six, I believe. Wait for the Sonics, but... baby. 
No, I haven't got to the Sonics yet, but I know. but I I uh, I it was the episode that that uh, MJ's dad died, and I um I was shook at what he said like in the interview, uh not not right after the it was like years later obviously, but he said, you know, I'm just so stoked that he got to see my last game in the NBA. It was when he decided to retire. Yep. And I and I thought, how fucking insane is that? Like, here you have your dad, one of your best friends. He's fucking, he got your back, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't even die from natural causes. He gets, like, brutally murdered. Like, just randomly. So hard. Yeah. Fucking killed. Like, just, just murked. And MJ's response is that, you know, I'm just stoked that he got to see my last basketball game of all time. I'm just, I'm blown away. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I think I've cracked the code. Like, I think that the reason why he is who he is is because he's still like he he's that dude he's he's like glass half full like i'm just gonna look at the positive i'm not gonna like dwell on the negative as much as i can and i just thought that that's kind of what brought me to this point is that you know he also talked about in the interview that his father was always telling him to look at the positive right like you always have to look at the positive and so that's a lesson that his father had bestowed upon Michael and then Michael became what he was and I wonder if he would have ever became you know I, I think that it's easy to to sit and fucking uh guess and and do this but I just wonder if if he wasn't optimistic you know like how that would affect his life like I, yeah. I, I, you know it's not magic I'm not saying it's like magic sauce like you, you're you're not Harry Potter all of a sudden like you don't just wake up and you're a wizard if you become positive but I do honestly think that it has an effect on life like I do. He got cut from the high school basketball team. And a lot of people, that would have stopped their basketball passion and their drive. Yeah. Like, they're just not like, okay, I'm, 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 not, I'm not good for basketball then. I guess mm-hmm. basketball's not my thing. And, like, it seems small <laughs> at the time. You're just like, oh, yeah, this high school kid got cut from a team. Like, you know, you're not going to blink at it. But if, if he had at that moment decided, you know, all right, I'm not, I'm not good for basketball, the world wouldn't have Michael fucking Jordan. Like, right. that's a... That's a that's not a small thing. That's huge actually. So Yeah, I love it. I love it. Great beneath being Z. Alright, let's go let's yeah. go into crafter trash. Um where are we at and why on this one? And JR, we'll start with you. Uh I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a an eight point five. Um, it's it's a great story. I love it, and it's not like it 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 it's a stepping stone. I think that's why I didn't go like all the way to nine. But it, it's such a great story, and I feel like um, again, just continuing with his writing and continuing with Greg art, Greg art. Um, I feel like it, it's just a, a a move in the right direction, and it, it wants me to read more. Even though I've read them all, I want I want to buy volume three. And start rereading that already because of it. I mean, I've dug deep into this. I mean, I've got tabs and, you know, I mean. So organized. I love it. I know. Color coded. Uh, and it's only it's only four issues. You know, how long does it take you to read a comic book? It takes me 10 minutes to read an, a, a, a regular comic book. So it's not like it's a heavy book for reading, but it's a great book. So I think 8.5 is, is justified for me. That is exactly what I had too. It was 8.5. Dude. That's funny. I, I I thought it was just, it's just, it didn't lose any momentum from volume one. We really enjoyed volume one. Um, volume two was a great follow up to that. It had a little bit, showed a little bit more vulnerability like Zach, Zach was talking about with relatability to Stell. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that she didn't really have in the first. You related more to Merrick and now in volume two, you relate more to Stell. Um, but he, he finds a protagonist to relate to so far in each volume. And there was some graphic nature, some dark, some some light, some awesome action. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I really don't have a reason not to rate it higher. I just I really want to see the surface, <laughs> so I'm just really antsy for that. Um, but I think uh, I think eight point five is is a good good rating. Where, where are you, Asley? I as we started this, I was I I immediately had this thought where I was like, anything eight and below, like I'm gonna go to war with either of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 you guys didn't know, but I like constructed a hill to stand on and i was like standing with my flag like ready to die um 
I think it, I mean, here's the thing. This I've I've I'm like Jr. I've I've read all the novel, all the books in this. This is one of my favorite. This might be my favorite storyline going right now. Um, this is great. This is not. I I would actually argue that this is like one of the probably the weakest volume of the entire story. Mm. Um, just because it's um, it's just so short. Like I I, yeah. I understand why it was cut the way it was cut. Um, right. because there's there's very kind of natural feeling beginnings and endings in this mm-hmm. um but if you go to volume three and then we've already read volume one and you continue to read um it just gets it, it really gets better um from here um and uh so i i, I think i'll give it a I, I can't give it a i'll give it an eight I'll, I'll give it an eight it's not a nine but um i think eight eight point five that area feels right to me i mean yeah. it's a, an amazing book um, but it, I would argue that this being the weakest link in the chain so far just tells you how fucking strong the chain is. Like this right. is yeah. an amazing story. Yeah, it's a stepping stone kind of story to the you know it's kind of like uh, yeah. uh it's it's not like it's the the big climate. It's not like it you know it's not going to end. I just feel like it's hey we're, this story is going to get you to the next story. Like I had yeah. to tell you this so you can and I think that's why and I think if it if it wasn't that and, and you're like like it is really short four issues is super short i think you would we would definitely rate it higher there's just so much to be given i feel like hey he basically you know fed us in a little doses of of what great this book is about and greatness so i think you know you have to can't give it the the 10 that i yeah. think what did we give the first volume a 10 or something i can't i'm remember. sure i'm sure I, I something close yeah i did all, something dumb i'm sure i gave it a 10 i i, I remember <laughs> i remember freaking out about, yeah. about volume one <laughs> but I, I will say though that that if, if these were episodes um i think volume one and volume three are like solid episodes and volume two kind of feels like a um like a prologue almost like yeah. as they're on their way to episode three mm-hmm. um or volume three it's like oh by the way this is when still had doubt right. you need to know that you know for yeah. later. You, you need to know that she doubted um and i just feel like that's kind of what we read Okay, so there's three volumes out total right now. There's, I think there's more. I think there's five. Five. I think okay. I there's all the way. They're up to all issue like twenty, twenty three, twenty four, right now. So okay. and the the thing about low is they take forever to come out. Like it, I've been buying this for like five years or something now, and they're barely in the twenties. The wow. uh, single issues, they just take so long to come produce, and it's because I think recommenders so busy. I mean, he's got like how many stories out there now? God, that's gotta so. be a hard to compartmentalize all that storyline, story arc. I need, I need Rick Remender to like stop doing everything he's doing and, and just produce low. <laughs> just stop. Hit him up, dude. Rick. If you're if you're listening, I need you to like every other project you're working on, like chill on that and just finish low. Yeah, we need it. It only makes sense, Rick. Do it for the people, man. Um, excellent. Well, that's a that's an eight point three. So that's a hard craft um for low and and yeah i think it's a stepping stone is great i haven't read volume three yet um but i'm assuming we're going to do multiple episodes on the uh the low story as it goes on so i'm very excited about that um any any shout outs you guys want to give before we, we close out here um, uh good all right well we had we had some great guests the last couple times um we uh, so obviously our normal shout out is to uh, Action City Comics, which is um, just doing better on selling more online. If you guys need anything, DM them, all that kind of stuff. I think he's they're op- trying to open up after next week for curbside or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then Destiny City Comics. Um, we just love uh, Ethan so much. He's so great. Kind of he could be a part of this podcast every single time and fit right in, I think. Yeah. Whenever you want to so, come on board, Ethan, let us know. Destiny City and then we've got some really good episodes coming up and some more local businesses so hop on board we'll, we'll definitely we want to mix and match so yeah yeah yep. what about you is there anything you want to shout out I want to shout out um, uh, Lindsay Dwyer at Geek Girl Real Estate um, yeah she we had her as a guest on on an episode a couple weeks ago and she's been a friend of mine for for years and she's just been incredible we've been working with her in the housing market we 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 actually just bought a house this week oh, wow. hey um congrats so, buddy yeah man yeah i'm super excited about it she's been just 
super helpful and um, very knowledgeable and thorough. And so Geek Girl uh, Real Estate, she's she's incredible at her job. Yeah, she was so much fun. To and have. she's a guest of Hop Heroes. She's a yeah. listener. Technically, so, we were guests for her, and that was a fucking yeah, blast. I'd say she had yeah. us on. Yeah. <laughs> so organized. <laughs> I think we yeah. learned some lessons from her. <laughs> I, got, I got pretty good and drunk on that episode. That was fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, talk about stuff. Hop Heroes like leading to real-life events, man. Like that, that was like a Hop Heroes connection that led me to buying a house. Look at that. <laughs> Years later. We have to have the little jingle after we say that. Hop Heroes connection. And that's another Hop Heroes connection. <laughs> one of many all right you guys well thank you so much for listening to this week's episode um yeah like jr saying we have some really really excellent fucking cool guests coming on board here in the near future so uh stay close to that and as always you can find us at hop heroes pod instagram and twitter you can find us on facebook and youtube thank you for listening and we'll catch you all next week peace see you later